What is up, everybody? Welcome into Locked on Tigers. I'm your host, Chris Castellani. It is Tuesday, November 17th, 2020. Appreciate y'all listening today. Do have some news to talk about throughout baseball. Not a whole lot of uh, news coming out regarding the Tigers today, so unfortunately not a whole lot of Tigers stuff to discuss, but I know I like this. I like going out throughout baseball and seeing what else is out there and trying to see if any of this news uh, pertains to the Detroit Tigers in any way. In this instance, not so much, but let's talk about it anyway. One of the first big major pieces of news that broke over the last several days, and this was being reported by multiple sources, is that the Chicago Cubs are considering, I believe these were their words, a massive roster overhaul in the 2020 offseason. Not a shocker, but a, a bit of a disappointment, and I'll tell you why. I've uh, the, the, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, I kind of always will. Part of it is that Theo Epstein is like my idol. And, and before I jump into where they go from here, it needs to be stated that the run they've gone on under Epstein is an overwhelming success story. It's one of the ultimate success stories to me in the history of sports. What Theo Epstein has done there is unparalleled. And yeah, there's going to be people that say, oh, they should have won more than one World Series. I can't believe they never got back there. And to me, that's that's pretty narrow-minded, man. I mean, when you go 108 years without winning a World Series and you're making complaints because you haven't won one in, what, four years now? Come on. I, I mean, they, they this was the golden age of Chicago Cubs baseball, what Epstein and that core was able to do. And there's going to be a lot of people who are going to look at this as a, a massive disappointment or a massive letdown. This is the circle of life in baseball. Unless you're the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, who you know, and and I'm sure their run, their reign will end at some point too. Every baseball team that has ever had a brilliant core, like the what the Cubs have had over the last several years, breaks up at some point. It's like a great band. The Royals had a big breakup. The the, the Yankees had a big breakup. The the Red Sox had a big breakup. And there's so many teams have done it. That's the way things are in baseball. It never ends at the right time. You never truly want it to end, but you make the decision at the right time. Look no further than Detroit to bring this back around to the Tigers. They had a big breakup, multiple. You know, but we we know when it officially ended, 2017 when they really broke things up and that's that's what leads me to kind of where the Chicago Cubs are at a lot of talent on that roster with Schwarber and Bryant and Baez and Rizzo and Contreras the one issue with having a core that gets called up relatively around the same time is that a lot of those guys become free agents right around the same time and you're seeing that this year Baez is in a contract year I believe Bryant's going to be in a contract year Schwarber's going to be in a contract year I mean that that's a lot of power that you could potentially lose for nothing if you decide to bring the band back together for a 2021 season some people are going to say that this is some people are going to say that this is too early that uh, Theo Epstein is is pulling the strings too early making these deals this team was competitive they won the division a year ago i think this is it's the right time. If anything, it's a year too late because the Cubs were good last season. They won their division under new first-year manager and former player David Ross. You know, they had a pretty good season, but a lot of the advanced numbers reflect that this was not a team that had they have played a full 162-game season, which, God willing, we're going to play next year, they would not have maintained that success. They had some great pitching, but some guys in that lineup who are very reliable for them didn't have great years. And, and one of the key trade pieces, because I think between... Baez, Bryant, 
Schwarber and Rizzo. One of those guys is going to get an extension here at some point. I think on principle, I think it would be such an outcry from the fans if one of those guys who was such a key core piece of their 2016 World Series run uh, didn't re-sign with them. My guess is that that would be Anthony Rizzo. He's their leader. He's their captain. You know, a lot of people want him to re-sign Bryant. I have doubts about Bryant, man, and I haven't really talked about this a ton. I think Bryant at full health is a top five player in baseball, but Chris Bryant rarely is ever at full health. And a lot of people would want him to re-sign Baez. I think Baez is going to get some huge deal from some other team after next season, depending on the kind of year he has. But the reason I'd say that arguably... Epstein waited too long to pull the string on this whole roster overhaul is because some of the guys who they believe have been money for them and have been really good for them didn't have good years last year. Bryant injured, sure, but was really bad. Javi Baez was one of the worst players in baseball last season. And I've said multiple times, I've been as stingy about this as anyone in saying that you can't really take much out of a 60-game season. That guys who struggled through 60 games, it's no reflection on the type of players that they actually are. Like Cody Bellinger, who had a 700-something OPS, I still view as a top-10 player in baseball, despite the fact that he didn't put up the monster numbers that we've expected of him over what was essentially 40% of a season. But there are those rare instances in which a guy was either so good or so bad that it is cause for concern. Javier Baez was truly awful last year. He was one of the worst players in all of baseball. Do I think he'll turn it around? I do, but for years, Javier Baez has defied logic. Javier Baez never walks, he swings at everything in the zone, out of the zone, and yet somehow he's still like consistently bad at 270 to 300 with an OPS in the 800s and a ton of home runs and a ton of extra base pop. It really goes against everything that hitters are taught in baseball today, which is work the count, don't swing at pitches out of the zone. He does none of that, and yet he's still been really good. It felt like last season, opposing pitchers had finally figured him out. He was pretty darn bad, and his trade value has gone down. I mean, imagine what they could have gotten for him if they would have traded him after 2019, when it kind of seemed like this team might not be going anywhere. My guess is there's going to be a roster overhaul, and it will be Theo Epstein's parting shot in Chicago. I don't think he's going to be on the north side for much longer. He's not going to get fired, but I think that because of the money that they've spent over the last several years, Tom Ricketts is not really willing to dish out the kind of cheddar that they've dished out in previous seasons. He essentially said last offseason that we're out of money. I mean, I think that probably would have been a good indicator to start shedding some contracts and, and trading some players. But I also think that Theo Epstein thrives when he feels like he has something to prove. You know, people refer to him as the curse breaker. I think he takes a lot of pride in that. I think he views himself as the guy who's taken two kind of lost organizations. I mean, the Red Sox were in pretty good shape when he took over and he just, you know, he, he got him across the finish line. But, you know, he loves taking organizations that are kind of get down in the dumps, rebuilding them and being viewed as a hero. But once you win a World Series, there's nowhere really to go but down. And especially when you do it in Chicago, it's like all he could do at this point is tarnish his legacy, a legacy that that's going to have a difficult time being tarnished, in fairness. Like, if I'm uh, Tom Ricketts or I'm one of the owners of the Chicago Cubs, I'm building Theo Epstein a statue for what he's done in Chicago. Now, has his last several years been as good as his previous several years? Not at all. I, I think, to me, the tipping point when they went from elite championship caliber franchise to kind of slowly trending downward was the Jose Quintana trade. They gave up way too much. I mean, we're talking Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease for Jose Quintana. I mean, that was a, a fleecing by the Southsiders. The White Sox got back potentially a generational bat and a power arm who I, I still think is going to develop into a pretty darn good major league pitcher. And the Cubs got Jose Quintana, who's who's good. 
He's okay. He was probably better on the south side than he was on the north side. But to me, that was kind of when they started to trend downward. I wanted to talk about this because I think the Cubs, like the Tigers or the Phillies, and you could throw the Yankees in there as well, as much as people might hate it, are one of those kind of evergreen teams, kind of like the the equivalent of the NHL original six. They're one of those teams that, to me, makes baseball better when they're good. Baseball has never felt more important than it was when the Chicago Cubs won the World Series in 2016. It was such a seismic moment. It was such a massive deal. Wrigley was absolutely rocking. Those were fun teams, and it seems like we may be reaching the end of an era here. Will Epstein stay there? I don't know. I don't know if he's interested in going through another rebuild. Now, with his talents, he could easily trade Baez and Schwarber and Bryant, get back an entire farm system's worth of prospects and work around that. I mean, everyone was worried about how terrible their farm system was a couple years ago after, you know, they traded Jimenez and traded Cease, but they do a pretty good job of developing talent. It speaks to, and I talked about this with Steve Cohen, I'll talk about this forever, the power of culture. And that's why I respect Theo Epstein so much. I guess you could you could call this the Theo Epstein episode. I'm just I'm sad to see that his teams probably aren't going to be super competitive going forward, but you know, everyone believed that the Chicago Cubs were going to be perpetual losers. That's all they were ever going to be. He came in there and said, "No, we're going to win. We're going to win the right way." And that's what they did. But Every king has its reign, and then they move on, and they try to rebuild and do something different. It looks like that's what's going on on the north side of Chicago right now. So that'll do it for segment one. When I get back, we will talk about some news that broke regarding contracts. Two contracts were handed out to starting pitchers the other day. We're going to talk about them when we return. And we're back. Thanks for tuning in today. So two contracts were handed out yesterday, one to a former Tiger, Drew Smiley. Drew Smiley, talk about a blast from the past, got a one-year $11 million contract by the Atlanta Braves. That is stunning to me. And look, good for him. You know, Drew Smiley's career, he's been all right, 35-35, and 4-1-3 ERA, pitched some good baseball in Detroit, but you look at his numbers— Missed two years, didn't pitch in 2017 or 2018. In 2019, pitched for the Rangers and the Phillies, was 4 and 7 with a 6 2 4 ERA. 114 innings pitched, the most that he'd pitched in, in quite a while. Last year for the Giants, pitched in seven games, five starts, 0 and 1 with a 3 4 2 ERA, got an $11 million contract by the Atlanta Braves. That is that is strange to me, and I think the Braves are an excellent organization. I think they're more often than not pretty smart with their money, but they, they got to swing for the fences, I feel like, a little bit more at some point. And like one of the issues that they ran into last year, especially at the very, very end, as good as their pitching was in the postseason, is that they just, you felt like they needed one more really good starter. Now, with the way Ian Anderson pitched and the way Mike Soroka pitched his rookie season, maybe they don't. Maybe though, maybe that's your one and two and that'll be enough, but I don't, know. I don't see Drew Smiley moving the needle. And I, I'm happy for him. I liked him in Detroit. I wish him the best, but. That's a mystery to me. But the bigger news that broke was that Mike Clevenger, and this was such a weird press announcement, and I get why the Padres did it this way because, you know, they're trying to get their fans excited. They just had an excellent season, but Mike Clevenger, formerly of the Cleveland Indians, was traded midseason this year to the San Diego Padres. The Padres sent out a tweet last night that said, the Padres have signed Mike Clevenger to a two-year contract through the 2022 season. Clevenger will also undergo Tommy John surgery on Tuesday. And everyone collectively went, wait, what? I think it was Jeremy Frank on Twitter said, okay, there's a lot to process here, and he's right. Look, I think 
it's a smart enough deal, low-risk deal. I can't imagine him being given a ton of money, especially considering the fact that he's going to be having Tommy John today by the time you're listening to this. That's a devastating blow, and we talked about it quite a bit when we talked about the Padres' chances in the most recent postseason. They did an unbelievable job of battling back and fighting to beat the St. Louis Cardinals, but they did that uh, primarily with bullpen work and with offense. I mean, Machado and Tatis were absolutely on another level compared to every other player in that series. By the time you got to the NLDS, they went up against a team that they were worse than. They were worse than the Dodgers. I I figured if they played the Dodgers in a five-game series even at full health, they probably would have lost, but they got swept because their two best pitchers were out. Mike Clevenger pitched one inning, and Denilson Lamette didn't pitch at all. You lock up Clevenger for two more seasons, but Tommy John, for him, that uh, that really stinks. I like Mike Clevenger. I like watching him pitch, and a lot of people point out stuff. Oh, what about his kids? What about what he did as a father? Like, I don't I don't read the, the baseball gossip rags, and I don't know, maybe, maybe he's a trash person. Dude, I don't know. I, I just know him as a pitcher, and I know him as a guy who said I was hilarious, and that's the thing about me, dude, and the, just kind of a tangent here is I get a lot of tweets from people being like, how do you like this person? Why do you respect this person? And my response is like, look, I, I don't really care, unless you're you know a Nazi or someone awful, I don't really care what your political beliefs are. I don't really care that much about what your past is, unless, of course, you've done something truly reprehensible. If you are kind to me and I enjoy your presence, I enjoy being in your presence, then I'm going to say positive things about you. And I've seen nothing but great pitching out of Mike Clevenger. I respect the guy a lot because when he got to Cleveland, I was like, all right, I think this guy's got all right stuff. But I don't see him really developing into a front-of-the-line pitcher the way that Kluber has, or the way Carrasco has, or the way that Bieber now has. Uh, he's broken through that ceiling, man. He's been a very good pitcher, and I feel bad for him because I think he, he found himself in a really good situation in San Diego. That's a, a team that's on the up-and-up, a talented ball club, a fun ball club, a ball club that just had two of the top four MVP vote-getters in the National League. You also have Denilson Lamette, who got Cy Young votes, and you also have one of the best farm systems in baseball. Like, I, I know I've said for years that if there's one team in baseball that I see winning a World Series within the next five seasons, it was the Chicago White Sox. Well, guess what? The Padres aren't managed by Tony La Russa, and the Padres' farm system is completely loaded, and they took, they just accelerated this se- this season. I mean, they, the leap they took forward was was immeasurable. They were so much fun to watch. They have arguably my favorite player in baseball at this point, in Fernando Tatis. It's just, it really is devastating that they're probably going to be without Clevenger all season, next season. I hope he figures himself out and he returns to pitching at a high level. I really do. So that will do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at castellani two o. One four. I, I haven't tweeted that much lately, but you're welcome to do that. Or uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Tigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a positive review of this show. It would be much, much appreciated. Leave a positive five star review of this show. It would mean the world to me. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. I will see you tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day, and go Tigers. <laughs>